You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 144 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here with my good buddy and co-host, Dadu Worldwide himself, Jay Desai. How you doing, What's buddy? What's up? I'm doing good. Sitting here in the Italia. Yeah, so you're putting the worldwide in Dadu Worldwide this month because you're uh, all over Europe. So I saw you were in London. Now you're in Italy. What's going on? Oh, I was hanging out with some friends and, you know, catching up in London. Thought I'd come see the Pope. Um, and I'm headed out on a cruise. It's a work cruise doing a fundraising event for a nonprofit called Convoy of Hope. Just happens to dock in some wonderful places like Croatia and Corfu and you know, I mean, send me, Lord. Let's just wake up and say that. Somebody's got to do the Lord's work, right? No, Convoy of Hope is an incredible organization. They do basically medical relief stuff all over the world. and they, Yeah, food uh, food stuff, medical stuff. They're, they're just great. In the U.S., they do disaster relief. They're pretty great. Yeah. So. Good people. And then um, our good friend, Mr. Pascal. I'm traveling with Ryan and Sarah, who you know. And then uh, our good friend Christian Pascal is out on tour with um, Marin. And when his tour wraps up, I'm going to hang out with him and some his wife and some friends for a few days. And then I'll Man. come home. And then I got to go to Alaska for a week. Just living the dream. Trade in the linen for a jacket. Linen for wool. Hey, right. Then once I come home, I am hyper focused on our MXU live event. And uh, the good times will be had. Yeah. yeah. So we're really excited about September. So for those of you who don't know, September 14th and 15th in Atlanta, MXU Live at Passion City Church. We are going to bring it. It's it's really it's really exciting. So, um, you know, it's funny, Jay. I think uh, for people who are engaged with MXU and the platform and all that, um, you know, we have different sort of subscription levels. You know, yeah. we've got the we've got the basic, we've got the pro and the unlimited. I was thinking the other day, you know, if you're an unlimited subscriber, that means you have an unlimited number of sort of slots for volunteers on your team. Then you also get unlimited access to the platform and all the videos. You get unlimited bandwidth to be able to upload your own content. So I thought for the event, why don't we let unlimited subscribers bring an unlimited number of people to MXU for free. Whoa. That's kind of awesome. So I know it's not for everybody because it is, you know, the top tier of membership, but if you subscribe to MXU unlimited, or if you upgrade to unlimited, we're going to let you bring an unlimited number of your volunteers to our MXU live event. So especially if you're in the Atlanta area or if you're in driving distance and flights aren't an issue, you can help your team by bringing them all to MXU for free. So that's my offer today. I think it's a pretty good deal. So I don't know. That's kind of wild. Uh, Spencer's not going to be happy. Well, he's not here. (laughs) Got him. (laughs) What have you been up to? Well, I've been um, helping to record some content at MXU HQ. 
We've done some training on the Allen and Heath SQ consoles. We did uh, some videos with our good friend Phil Bledsoe about just basic, yeah, basic drum miking and mic technique and how to get great drum sounds with, um, you know, various different levels of microphones. And uh, he's just such a good teacher. I, I didn't realize until we were doing this stuff, you know, he's, he's not only really good at what he does from a mixing standpoint, but he's just a great communicator. His Sam Hunt mix is ridiculous. Yeah, he's, he's legit. It's awesome. Too legit to quit. Sorry. Um, are you about to go out on Dude Perfect? Yeah, so the dudes called me again to kind of mix five headset mics in front of a PA at 95 dB over a bunch of screaming kids. So that'll be fun again to get to go and help those guys. They're just awesome. Our friend Lauren is producing the tour again. Uh, we had her on the podcast last year, and she's just awesome. Um, the interesting thing for us, though, is that she hired Stella, my daughter, as an extra pair of hands, kind of production assistant, props assistant for this thing. So Stella is with them right now doing tour prep, and she's crushing it. So we're so excited. It's like she's got. Fam- if she gets the bug, you're in trouble. Well, I I figure she better do it now. You know, while she's young, to uh, yeah, just kind of get it out of her system. That's good because she's going to college. She's getting a doctor's degree. You tell that's her that's right. I said that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's that's gonna be so fun. You never got it out of your system, though, so I'm a little worried. No, it's literally nothing has gotten out of my system. That sounded weird. That sounds like a digestive <laughs> issue. <laughs> they make medicine for that, sir. That's oh, funny. that's lovely. I got to spend some incredible time with our friend Gene Kim at Crew Brew. Oh, nice. Uh, la- last week before my trip, we had some great times, great conversations, and just a big fan of him. Um, and I'm excited about this conversation we have coming up. Yes. So we're going to be joined today by Jason Young, who is a friend of ours from the old days in Atlanta. But he has a ton to offer to teams about leadership and volunteer development and you know just personal care. And he's going to be with us at MXU. And so we figured we'd have him on the podcast to sort of tease that conversation and let people get to know him a little bit. So I can't wait for you guys to hear this convo right after this. Well, we are so excited today to be joined by Dr. Jason Young. Jason has been connected with our world for a long time through just church relationships in Atlanta and uh, North Point Ministries and other kind of training events and church world and all kinds of stuff. So uh, the big reason, though, for him to be with us today is because of his expertise in just church teams and leadership, especially as it relates to volunteers. Um, and Jason is going to be with us at MXU Live in Atlanta in September as one of our communicators. And so we wanted you to kind of get a uh, preview of some of that and just to get to know Jason a little bit so that when we meet in September, we're all going to be familiar and it'll feel like family. So, Jason, thanks for being here today. Can't wait to hear yeah, from Jeff, you. Yeah, Jeff, good to be here today. Thank you so much, buddy. And I'm looking forward to September. So that'll be a fun time uh, to be together in person. Did you get your doctorate online, like how I got ordained online? Yeah, yeah brother, $25. And 
I mean, you, it's amazing what you can buy online, <laughs> right? Hey, you know, it's if it's online for fifty, you could get a bit your bishop doctor. I know. Right? Well, I'm I'm working on that. Those are a little harder. Uh, it, so I got to save up some some money to get those. But yeah, you just sign up. It's amazing what you can get online. If it's online, it's true. <laughs> Great to have you today. Good to be here, buddy. Hold on, Jeff, Jason. How do we know each other? Um, I think we. I know. Did we, we kiss the same girl? <laughs> I think we no, no, <laughs> maybe. Uh, I think we got connected. Remember, like through a like singles Bible study, we were trying to get started back in the were, day. Were you at Rehoboth? Yeah. So they would have been then because I was hanging out with uh, Ryan Dean and Sartain. Okay, then yes, that's where it was, Rehoboth. Yeah, I was, because I was in a I was in a band with them. Okay. Yeah, I started there when I was mm, fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, yeah, that goes way back. We might have kissed the same girl on that baseball field, <laughs> yeah. maybe more than once. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I mean, okay, Rehoboth okay. back ba- back in the day, Rehoboth was like the king of church softball, wasn't it? Oh I mean, man, that's, oh, largest man. sports program in the United States. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So, I didn't think about that, Jay. Yeah, you're right. Okay, well, that's how we know each other. Yep. Good, All good right, call. as you were. Um, so really just spending, you know, 20 plus years church world from a staff perspective in various roles. Um, and I think so much of what I do now actually comes from that experience and those lessons, those wins, those painful uh, hurts, uh, even honestly trauma in the process. And so how did I get here now? I've always kind of done this in parallel with being on staff and from an opportunity sign. Um, it just, the doors opened up, the opportunities were there to step out of a staff role, if you will, and into helping those on staff um, in a full time. And so now I split time between church world, corporate world. I do very much the same thing. So leadership dev, team dev, and creating guest experiences. I just do them at both you know, both worlds. And so it's fun. I really do enjoy it. That's great. That's awesome. Well, I know that you've written a few books uh, and that's been born out of what you've learned from working with teams, but also some of their struggles and some of their uh, just opportunities for learning and needing to get better. And that's kind of what we're all about at MXU, um, especially as we lead volunteer teams in churches, you know, most of our listeners are leading church production teams mm-hmm. and you've talked a lot and written a lot about volunteer culture. Mm-hmm. So let's just spend a few minutes um, in that category for now. And let's just talk about some of the sort of pitfalls and struggles, but then some of the, okay, how do we take those learnings and create better teams? Mm-hmm. So what's the biggest like, what's the biggest thing that people struggle with, you think? Well, I, I believe those that lead volunteers, they want to lead them well. And that can be challenging. And I don't know if, you know, anybody listening, there's some days you feel, man, I know how to do this really well, and I feel like I'm succeeding. And then there are other days it's like, what am I doing? These people are driving me crazy. Uh, they're not showing up. They click, yes, I'll be here. They don't show up. They show up, but they don't click, yes. Or... Something better comes Can along. you imagine if I was one of your volunteers? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> then, then there's those times that 
a better opportunity comes up and they take it when they were supposed to volunteer. Um, and so a lot of times there are frustrations, but I do believe those that lead want to get it right. So what are the main pain points? I would say, and again, I'm no expert. Um, I think I've struggled in this. I've done well in this and I've helped other churches, you know, do this hopefully, hopefully well. Um, but I think finding, keeping, um, or I should say finding, training, and keeping. So when, on the finding side, it's really how do I invite volunteers? Um, I think people love to be invited to something by someone. Uh, training, which is really onboarding, you know, to development. So what does that journey look like? And then keeping, which is really in the world of retention. How, how, do, the, how do I keep them on my team? How do I keep them you know, energetic and joyful. And so I find in those three areas, which we could talk about all day, those are really where the tensions are, are felt. Yeah, I agree. You know, we, we talk a lot about recruit, train, and retain. And that's kind of, you know, in, in our platform, the new onboarding features within MXU are really designed to kind of foster those three pillars. And I think, you know, especially in production world, we get the training part right. Mm. Because we we deal with a lot of gear and it's standing over somebody's shoulder and teaching them how to use a piece of equipment and you know sometimes that that sort of pillar of the three pillars kind of gets more attention mm -hmm. than the others. You know, people struggle with the finding and the retaining. Yeah, uh, in our world, more than anything, I think. So, um, you know, what what do you think are the keys in the finding piece? Because that. That's what a lot of people struggle with. It's like, sure. man, I have a lot to do, but I can't find enough people. Yeah, you know, part of it is perspective. Um, what I have seen, I mean, you know, we kind of group these pre-pandemic, during, and post. Um, and one of the interesting things on post is a lot of times where I find churches are trying to get back the people that used to be there. And for some reason, they're not on the team anymore. And we keep you know, chasing them down, expecting, you know, their nose to go to yeses, and maybe they will, but there's new people that are showing up in our churches that haven't even been asked for the first time. So I think there is yeah. a little bit of a shift to, am I still trying to get the people that used to be there, or am I focused on the people that are that are there now? And honestly, Jeff, there there is a little bit of lamenting. In fact, I've seen this in the burnout and exhaustion space that your workload is increased, your stress is increased, you potentially are getting more, you know, no's. And sometimes it's just a matter of a mindset shift. Okay, who's here now? Who can I ask now? The other, the other thing on the finding is what are the channels that can net you the most yeses? A lot of times I find churches, they depend on the platform, the pastor, the person doing announcements or whatever. But have we exhausted you know, the channels that can increase our number of yeses that people are interested, right? So I kind of think of a funnel. If you think about a sales funnel, right? So it's like, right. yes, I'm interested, you know, and but intentionally building it. In fact, I would say this on the uh, finding side, if you haven't built a volunteer journey map, that might be helpful. Like all the way from you know, if I'm using the social or platform, whatever I'm using all the way down to, you know, development and keeping side. And what does that journey look like every step of the way? It's tedious, takes a lot of work. However, it allows you to be more strategic in your asks. And here's the other thing. 
what are you asking a volunteer to do and who are you going to help them become? And I think what I find a lot is we need people to do things. And a volunteer is not necessarily signing up to do things. They are, but there's something more that really volunteering can help them to become. What am I contributing to? What am I uh, being a part of? Who is this helping me become? There's a question that feels selfish. Maybe it is. But what's in it for me? And I think sometimes we don't answer that question because we feel like, oh, that's so selfish. I'm not going to answer. You should just do it for God. Okay, I get it. But it's still inside of somebody. So why not address it? And I think we have to do the hard work of outlining what's in it for them. What's in it for the team? How does it make a difference? How does it contribute? Are you clearly defining the ask? The training part, I don't want to say the training part is the easier part. But in the technical space, it can be because it could feel very like, we need you to do this. Here's how to do this. You know, that kind of thing. If you're not careful, you can elevate function over feeling. And a lot of times people are making decisions about what they do and what team they want to be a part of about feeling and function. And so we have to make sure that those are playing together. That's really good. Well, I think if we can move the needle in some production leaders' minds from, I just need somebody to execute a task, Mm -hmm. from there to, I need somebody to be a part of a healthy team. Like that's, that's what we're all about these days, especially at MXU. And I think there, there's a, there's a vision piece. There's a why there's a, and, and also, you know, I think there's a spiritual component to this too. I really believe that serving is a part of our spiritual disciplines, just as much as attendance and tithing and Bible study and all those things. It's like serving, you know, anybody who's been on a mission trip, anybody who's been a part of something that's ground floor, like new ministry, part of something new where people are just white knuckled, hanging on for dear life, waiting to see what God's going to do. Those are the most exciting times in ministry and the most kind of exciting opportunities for personal spiritual growth. And so if we as leaders can create a feeling of that kind of environment yeah. on our team where people can't wait to show up, yeah. not just to do a task, but yeah. to be a part of this thing that is so exciting, I think that's that's what's going to move the needle. And that's got to speak into the retention part, right? I mean, when you're part of something like that, you're not going to want to leave. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you think about... Uh, so... For the first 10 years of ministry, I did the volunteer thing really poorly. Uh, Here's an example. I was inviting people to be a part of a team to do stuff that I had an agenda for, that I had goals to achieve. And so like, I need you to help me get there. I literally did that for 10 years. And I look back and I'm like, I have since apologized to some of those volunteers going, I did not lead you well. And one of the things, Jeff, that I missed uh, in that whole journey is I I didn't connect them being on a team as a volunteer to spiritual growth. It was Jason had goals and I'm a driver and I want to grow things. And so I'm like, I need them to help me do that. And that's not bad in and of itself. But what I missed is I can help use this opportunity in their lives to be an element where they contribute, where they actually can be discipled or it's spiritual growth. But I got to help them connect the dots, right? And so years ago, um, I did this survey with volunteers. It was a one-question survey, and it was, why do you get up to show up? 
And what's interesting is I miscalculated the motivation for volunteers. I assumed the overwhelming reason was for spiritual reasons. What I discovered, and it actually changed how I invited them. It actually changed how I trained them. And it actually changed how we uh, created an environment to keep them. The number one reason, they want to build friendships. And then the other reasons were like they want to make a difference. They you know, have a gift they want to use. They have something they use in maybe the corporate space. They want to contribute to the church space, you know, things of that nature. And so I think we have to make room for all of that. When you talk about a healthy team, I think you have to kind of take a step back and go, like, what is a healthy team? Because for many, they haven't been on one. Or if they have been on one, maybe they're so used to it. They, they miss what are the elements of being healthy? And so that, that's where a lot of the hard work, I think, comes in is what does it look like to be a healthy leader? Because when a, when a leader gets healthy, the culture gets better, right? And so when you, uh, when you spend time on leading you and getting healthy yourself, then it begins to trickle down into the, you know, the team culture. So what does it look like to be healthy as a leader for yourself? What does it look like for your team to be healthy and how can you support that? And then what does it look like, you know, what you talk about on the retention side? Here's what I'd say on that. Sometimes I was at a, speaking at a conference recently, and I kind of did a Q&A in this, in this uh, breakout session. And this is like, well, how do I retain more? This guy at a church, how do I retain more? Retention is almost a byproduct of the other two spaces of how you invite them. So how people start is an indicator of what it's going to be like to stay, right? That's why the start is so important, training and developing. So, you know, for me, and again, this is, this is, just an idea. I tend to train in 90 days and then I'm, day 91, I move into development, right? And so I don't train all at once. I kind of do this incremental drip because they can only retain so much. So we train, we do, we reflect. We train, we do, we reflect. So it's this cyclical thing in a 90-day period. And then after day uh, 90, we move more to a development phase. And again, that can vary per, per role. But if you're doing these things right, then you're not necessarily focused on retention. You are, but you aren't. It's like, why would I want to leave, right? Because you're investing in yep. me. You're creating a space to have fun. I'm building relationships. I'm making a difference. I've got friends. I feel seen. I feel valued. I feel known. And then the last thing I'll say is this. Um, one thing the church can do better, businesses, I mean, I work with companies. They could do this better, too is we can create psychologically safe places. And by definition, that is, are you creating a space where people can share an idea, uh, ask a question, make a mistake without fear of judgment and retribution? And so as an output of that, that creates trust. So a lot of times I remember getting a call from uh, a well-known brand and this senior VP said, Hey, um, can you come like help us build trust? Just we need to tell people like trust us. I'm like, that isn't me. And he's like, I thought this is what you do, right? And I'm like, nope, don't do that. So we had this banter back and forth. Come to find out, we I said, you can't just say, hey, Jay, trust me, Jeff, trust me, Jason, trust me. I mean, you can, but why? But when you create right, a trust space, is earned. Yeah. So when you create a space where people can you know what? I can share an idea on my team and people aren't going to roll their eyes or say, that's stupid. Or ask a question like, what kind of question is that? Or, you know, make a mistake. 
there's this idea that there's going to be judgment and retribution. If people sense those will be the responses, they will shut down, they will not trust you, and actually they will not want to stay with you. That's what creates a fear-based culture, right? 100%. A lot of churches who are you know, dealing with high-functioning, high-capacity production teams, and over time, they have set sort of the bar for their standard as perfection. We're not going to yeah. miss a cue. We're going to execute everything perfectly. And when we get into that mode, it fosters this sort of fear-based, oh my gosh, what happens if I screw up yeah. mentality? And that's not healthy, right? So say that sentence again, because I think people need to write this down, the fear and retribution section. Like we yeah. need to do what without fear of... Yeah. So the idea is, how can I create an environment where people can, my team, my volunteers, my paid staff can share an idea, ask a question, or make a mistake without fear of judgment and retribution? That is so good. I mean, I think that that right there could transform the feeling of what it's like to be on some church production teams. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we forget when when you're on a, a production team you're working with you know equipment you're working with cues you're working with transitions you're working you know you're working with these things we have to remember though on the other side of those are people right so when you think about volunteers they're people they feel there's a um I'm not a huge avatar fan sorry if I offended people by saying that but my kids I have two teenagers and they wanted to see the, the second avatar. And they said, well, dad, you got to see the first avatar. I'm like, okay, cool. So we watched it and we go see the second one. And it was actually on TV recently. And I noticed that there's a three word phrase that they say in both of them. And it's important because the, the people in the movie didn't feel seen. They felt overlooked. And I remember in both movies, one said to another, I see you. And I think at the core of people, volunteer, paid staff, it doesn't matter who they are, a musician, somebody who runs sound, lights, cameras, you know, your stage manager, it doesn't matter who. If you can create a team where people feel like, you know what, Jeff saw me today, Jay saw me today, people don't want to be noticed, they want to be seen. And when people can feel seen and they can feel like it's a place they belong, then it's a place that they want to keep coming back to. Again, the retention in some ways takes care of itself. I will tell you this. Um, I wrote about this. There's a, a well-known church. They were having a volunteer retention problem, if you will. A significant problem. But you know what they discovered was the problem? This is interesting. When they evaluated what was happening and why people weren't staying on the team, the number one reason, the people that left said, I just didn't feel known. Huh. Training people for the purpose of executing a task is not helping them feel known. It's getting them to do something. So how do we get people to do something and do it with excellence and help them to feel known? And that's the hard work because when you think about this, it's, it's how the brain is constructed. So let me, let me make this simple, but this will make sense. In the center of the brain is the, is the limbic system, right? And this is where kind of emotions are housed. In the front of the brain, you've got this prefrontal cortex where rational thinking and logic is happening. Right underneath the limbic system, but connected is the amygdala. So what's, what's fascinating is when we think about, if you think this, you're like, Jason, what does this have to do with my production team? 
Sometimes we train for the front of the brain, that prefrontal cortex. Well, this logically makes sense. I'm going to train you to do X. It's technical. Well, it makes sense to you, right? That's your job. You've got a role to fulfill. You want to do it well, as you should. However, the brain doesn't go there first. So if you have a stimulus that comes in through the nervous system, it actually stops in the limbic system first. People feel first, and they rationally, logically process second. And so where the amygdala kicks in, is if the amygdala doesn't feel that the team is safe or that the leader is safe, this is why what we just described as far as an idea and mistake and failure, the amygdala kicks in and it it offlines, it shuts the brain down, it takes over and says, this person is not safe. This team is not safe. This culture is not safe. And that's where you get that fight, flight, freeze, you know, response. Yeah. So when you're training a volunteer, when you're training your staff, remember people feel first. And then they logically, rationally process second. That's why it's important to build the technical component and the emotional component because both are showing up whenever you have them on your team. So it's almost like when when that fear kicks in, then they're prevented really from learning. So yes. the training isn't even happening because they're they're not even able to engage their brain in that process. Right. In a healthy way. We go back to building a healthy team. That's why I say. A healthy leader can build a healthy team. But if you're an unhealthy leader, it's going to be very difficult for you to build a healthy team. And sometimes you need outside help because what you perceive as healthy may not be healthy. In fact, I'm coaching, um, I'm coaching a leader right now, a high-level a high leader, and he, he thinks he is a wonderful leader. What's interesting is most leaders think that they are, I mean, like 75 plus percent think that they are self-aware. What what research says is there's only 10 to 15 percent of leaders that actually are self-aware. If you're not self-aware, it means you don't have a healthy perspective of your triggers and tendencies. And if you don't do that, then you cannot manage them, which then impacts your relationships with volunteers which then produces an unhealthy culture. So we kind of rewind all of this to say, holding up, you know, kind of holding up a mirror, asking myself, you know, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Am I a healthy leader? If not, who do I need to invite to help me better process that question? So good. Jason, a lot of, a lot of our audience, uh, I would say, um, were hired not to be leaders. Mm-hmm were hired because they have a high knowledge of a technical skill or a very technical or able to multitask, you know, or able to make very, very specific things uh, not to, it's not that they're better than other church teams, but like when you're talking about, you know, touch teams and volunteer teams, and you're talking about different kind of ministries, you know, or you're talking about student ministry and some of these, these people are pastoral and natural leaders and blah, blah, I don't know many churches that are willing to hire a really crappy sound guy that's a good leader. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. And yeah. So uh or or video person or lighting person that it's it's really odd to me that somehow sometimes as a big church as a whole we're going we're going to hire I'll use Jeff as an example and say and just say hey we're going to hire Jeff. He is a phenomenal phenomenal audio guy mm-hmm. and we're going to put him in a seat and then he has to be in the seat every Sunday because that's why we hired him mm-hmm. on top of that he's got to manage budgets which he's never done before and go to staff meetings which bore him to death mm-hmm. and then he's got to recruit and retain a volunteer team so what 
talk to our uh, a lot of our audience like clint out in texas i mean mm-hmm. natural born leader it's in him being in production has brought that out of him and he's excelled at it mm-hmm. but i know a lot of really really incredible technically savvy people that are just really bad leaders yeah and don't have that switch in them or it hasn't been uh woken up yet or they haven't had the training in it and don't know because if they suck at doing their technical job yeah. first and foremost that's the check the x on their you know their yeah. career opposed to the leadership thing yeah i remember uh when i worked at north point ministries um actually the department that my role which i was overseeing guest and volunteer experience uh fell in was in production and so i got to see up close you know you know the audio side the lighting side the stage side and seeing those very, very bright people grow in their skill to uh, involve people. So if you're listening today, here's a word that actually could trip you up, leader. That that word, because it it may conjure up certain images. Well, I'm not so-and-so. I don't know how to be so-and-so. So since I can't be, I won't be. Maybe it's a little bit less thinking that way, and it's more thinking this way. You're hired to do a technical skill and to do it well. You have people on your team that on some level have a capability that you need to you know, uh, engage so that you can do your role well, so they can grow things of that nature. The, the leadership word may, may trip you up, but here's the thing. You have people on your team that they too have a technical skill on some level. Maybe it's awesome. Maybe it needs to grow, whatever it is. But you still have to grow as, a, as an individual with a technical skill on how you lead those individuals. And so you say, well, I'm not, uh, I, <laughs> Jay, I'll even say it this way. I've had some people in the production world say, you know what, Jason, I'm just going to level with you. I'm not good with people. Behind a console, I, I'm awesome. You know, doing, you know, running uh, yeah, we, we call those video guys. We leave them in the control room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you, they have their own separate room. So you know what I'm talking about. It's like, I'm just not, I'm not people oriented. And yet these people have volunteers. And so it's not, you can't use the excuse that I'm not a good leader. I don't know how to do it. You know, I'm good at running, you know, this camera or this whatever console. You've got to dig deep and you've got to expand and grow your, your ability to lead those people because they're people. You're leading them to accomplish a task, but you're also leading them in a bigger, in a bigger context. And so, you look, you just said they're not like people in, you know, and you gave examples of different ministries that are natural born leaders. I'm going to be honest with you. I've worked with those people and they're just as bad, Right. And so sometimes we put people in roles, but we don't train them how to lead people. And so I think there's a little bit, and, and churches are notorious for this. And I don't mean that, that's not a dig on churches. I've, you know, I work with them, spent most of my, my work uh, life inside of them. But I think sometimes what we do is we put them in a role and we tell them to read a book. We talk about it at staff meeting for 10 minutes. You know, then we then we run through, you know, run of show or whatever it is, and we assume they're being great in their leadership role. And the problem is they're not. 
And so if you're in a production world and you're like, I'm just not a leader, well, guess what? You're not alone because there are other areas in the church that they're not to. Yeah. And so I said this to someone recently, and, and my, my statement is flawed simply on the math, but I just said, I would rather us have crappy no-name batteries on Sunday and you spend our budget going to lunch with people yeah. than having the best batteries on Sunday. And the, the math actually doesn't add up. It's better to have the nice batteries, but uh, <laughs> I think we forget. I think we forget that that uh, me include all of us. I think that you came to work at a church. Yeah, and and uh, I think uh, you know uh, the COVID nineteen time production kind of got the hammer. Yes, because we had to pivot our world, but other people didn't. Other departments yes. didn't necessarily yeah. have to. But it was a great reminder that you know that we all work at an organization or we all volunteer at an organization. It's the mission of the organization is not to have phenomenal audio on Sunday. It's, you know, well, to you love know, people really people. well. That's work. right. It's people, people, anything. People are going to help you do the work. People are going to be impacted by the work. People like the common denominator, people. And so it is so easy to fall in love with what you do and that can eclipse, get eclipsed uh, very easily. And so what I would – actually, let me, let me say that statement differently. If we're not careful, our work can eclipse the people. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so we can fall in love with what we do versus who we're doing it with, how we're helping them grow, who we're celebrating with. Um, here, here's a, a potential uh, – if you're listening today, this, this could potentially be you. It is so easy to move from weekend experience or Sunday service to Sunday service to weekend experience. And we're like, oh, done with that one. We start planning for the next one. Done with that one, start planning for the next one. But what we, what we sometimes can forget, if that's the mentality of us on staff, that's not the mentality unless we train our volunteers to think the same way. So we have to make sure that as we're planning and as we're executing, as we're engaging people, that we are mindful of how other people around us think and guide them in thinking. Again, we want to hit the cues. We want to hit all those transitions. We want to do a great job. Yes, 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 yes. But we have to remember, like Jay was talking about, at the end of the day, this is about people. It's about winning with people. It's growing with people. It's struggling with people. It's seeing people. It's about people. And so... That's so good. And I think you can do... Jeff, you you can do both. You can do it well. And you can do it well with people, but you just got to remember that people yeah. to not leave them behind in the name of excellence, yeah. which we sometimes can do. It's so good. Yeah. Well, we talk about this a lot because, you know, it's not just a function of putting on a good show. You know, it's not just a function of having a flawless service because the Bible does talk a lot about excellence, right? We're supposed to pursue things with our whole heart to the best that they can be done. And so I think there is a tension of, well, gosh, it's supposed to be good. Like, I don't want it to be bad. The reason these production folks are in their staff role is because they do care about doing things well. They are experts, yeah, very highly qualified, trained experts. So that piece doesn't necessarily need to get diluted at the expense of the softer skills people side. It's It has to be both. It, It really is two sides of the same coin that are equal, you know? And so... That's that to me is like what we're trying to continually reinforce around here. It's like, yes, get better at what you do and help your team get better at what they do. But 
you've got to love them well, you've got to care for them, you've got to nurture them in the process so that the production team, to me, I, I want the production team to be the most compelling and irresistible place in the church to serve yeah. because of how healthy the team is. So yeah. that's what we're really striving for. Um, and we're we're super excited to have you share some of these ideas at MXU Live in September. And you know, the other so the other side of what you're doing these days, the other the other book that you're passionate about is about burnout. Yeah. And I think especially in light of COVID yeah. for production teams, I think there have been a lot of people over the last couple of years who've struggled with this idea of just, I'm at the end, I'm done. Yeah. So I don't want to spend a ton of time because I don't want to give away any of the stuff that's coming in the in the forthcoming book. Yeah, But you've got another book coming out soon that's basically about not burning out, but burning yeah. bright. Yeah. So talk for a f- talk for a few minutes about that. Yeah, you know, uh, you, you set it up well, Jeff. That burnout has always been around. Exhaustion has always been around, but it seems to have accelerated um, through the COVID nineteen, you know, time era, if you will. And so now that we're on the backside, we're seeing a lot of that material materialize. In fact, I think we'll see it more and more. I think it's yet to be fully um, recognized. But what's happened, I actually, Jay said it well earlier, in COVID-19, so many in the production world especially got piled on. We've got to pivot to do this. We've got to pivot. You know, we're going to do more online. Oh, online's not good enough. We don't have the equipment. Oh, we do have the equipment. We've got to, how do we engage the audience? How do we keep the audience? You know, I mean, it was just, oh, now we're going back into a building. Now we got to spread out. We're going to have to do two rooms. Like, it was constantly, so the burden was overwhelming. And what happens is we've seen a significant spike and it is now sustaining uh, on the burnout and, and exhaustion side. So the idea is this, what if, what if, what if burnout and exhaustion, what if they are not inevitable? And I, I remember you know, going to school and working in churches and people, the leaders above me would always talk about when related to burnout, not if, when. And as I got older, I thought, why, why, is, why is the mindset burnout and exhaustion, those things are inevitable? I don't think they are. I actually think they're preventable. But it's going to take a concerted, intentional effort with deliberate practice on how do you not get there. That's, that's kind of one perspective. The, the book does talk about that. What are some things that you can do? Uh, we have a, a, a leadership free leadership health assessment at don'tburnoutburnbright.com that you could take. And at the end, it's a brief assessment, and it will tell you one step that you can take in order to be the healthy leader that we're talking about today. But really, the drive of the book is what if you could keep your light burning bright, your energy your um, joy at a level it doesn't mean you're you're fake, but it does mean that you can you can operate and you can live at this optimal level. Here here's one of the the images. This may be a terrible image, so if so, forgive me. You know, if I'm prefacing that, that should make you nervous. Um, <laughs> my my wife and I uh, found ourselves the last few years watching Naked and Afraid. And so if I just said that, some of you are like, what kind of show is he watching? Is that, it's, it's a show, they drop two people in, 
and a really challenging uh, environment, super cold, super hot, really challenging. They have to survive for 21 days uh, with really one item of their choosing, naked. The main point of this example is, is this. Whether you are in extreme heat or extreme cold, both of them do one thing uh, regardless, and they try to create fire. And when they create this fire, they realize we need to assemble what we, we need. We need to get rid of what we don't need. We need to create a spark, give us a fire. And if you'll notice, they nurture their fire. They constantly have to put wood on the fire. And here's what you learn by watching that. If I nurture the fire, the fire will nurture me. And I think sometimes in our lives as leaders, if we're not willing to nurture that level of energy and that level of joy, engagement with the Lord, my own you know, leadership and growing and learning and connecting with different people, if I don't nurture that, well, then it's going to give back to me that very same thing. But if I nurture it, if I add to it, if I tend to the fire, then the fire is going to do the same thing. It's going to reciprocate that, and my energy can stay up, my joy can stay up. And so the idea of the book is just that, is how do you, how do you stay in the game for the long haul and not have to quit and not have to run out of energy and not have to really struggle with no joy because that right there is exhausting and people will see it. So I don't think burnout and exhaustion, I don't think they're inevitable. I think they're preventable, and the book is going to help you do that. That's great. That's awesome. So that comes out this summer. July 25th. Great. We're going to talk more about that at MXU Live in September. So what's the best way for people to find you and stay connected with you in the meantime? Because I know people are going to want to kind of engage with some of this before MXU Live. Um, So how can they do that? Yeah. So if you go to drjasonyoung.com, which sounds super fancy, um, but if you'll go there there are some resources there. You can reach out to me uh, there. Um, it talks a little bit more if you're like, oh, what does this guy do? Can he help me? You know, I want to do something with my team. I'm happy to help you do that. You can also sign up. I have something called Flash Paper, which will be sent to you or just some brief ideas that might be helpful to you. But you could sign up there. But yep, drjasonyoung.com. That's awesome. Well, thanks for being with us today. I love the conversation. I can't wait to keep it going. We're definitely going to need to do this again. But for sure, in September at uh, MXU Live, we're going to love hearing from you as a big group so that we can engage with this uh, even more and just dig in as as a team in a room together. Well, thank you for letting me be in here. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the impact and you know, deposits and care that you uh, give to team members as they figure out, how do I lead my volunteers and do it well? Much love. See you, buddy. Man, that's so good. I have so many memories of Jason flooding through me. I think, listen to him talk, I hadn't seen him in several years, but that was so good. I really hope that um, at MXU Live, we're able to dig in a little deeper and people can walk away feeling equipped. And I think he'll be a great person for that. Maybe we should just say while we're here and have that combo that figure out a figure out a way this week to get your team together that has nothing to do with Sunday and see if y'all can break bread or, or even go for a group walk or you know, some of y'all are healthy and so maybe y'all can work out together. <laughs> um, or, you know, if you are on my team we can go eat. So uh, yeah. Get everyone together. Let's see if we can um, make our production teams the healthiest teams in the building. That's good. I love that. 
Yep. So a couple of reminders. Uh, this summer at MXU HQ, we're doing a couple of workshops. So July 18th and 19th, Digico is going to be in the house. We're going to spend the first day talking about mixing. Second day, we're going to be talking about Clang and uh, their sort of immersive monitor mixing system, which is awesome. So if you're able to join us, we would love to see you at MXU HQ. Then in August, Sennheiser is going to be in the house talking about RF. So if you have questions about RF deployment, RF technology, you know, new developments in sort of the RF space, come and join us because you're going to learn a lot about just the RF spectrum and deploying your system well. So that's August 3rd and uh, we can't wait to see you there. So go to getmxu.com events and sign up for those workshops. Also, MXU Live, just as another reminder, September 14th and 15th, the events page at getmxu.com will tell you everything you need to know about MXU Live. Jay, it's always so good to see you, man. Always, bro. Um, well, hopefully I'll get on another podcast and I'll be in another country somewhere. So let me know. See you soon. That will be great. We'll have a great trip and tell the folks from Convoy uh, bon voyage and we'll uh, talk to you soon. <laughs>